We are very blessed today. I have a special treat. Our guest speaker is here with his lovely wife, Lee and Sharon Lebsack. Uh, he has pastored for 40 years. Him and his wife have led churches over 40 years and saw fruitfulness in everywhere they served. They served at, I believe, four churches. And now they're retired, but yet they're actually refired. And one of the things they do is they coach pastors. And so he is one of my mentors and coaches that I have. And uh, some of the good things that are happening here as a result of his influence. Can we show our appreciation as I turn the service to Pastor Lee? Thank you, Alan. Joy of ours to be here today. We've uh, learned to love and appreciate your pastor and his wife. And uh, <clears throat> several years ago when we were thinking about uh, this new experience of uh, not being a senior pastor anymore. We had a friend that lived here in Granbury, so uh, we came down here and we finally realized this may be the place uh, that, uh, of course, they took us right to De Cordova on the golf course, and that's what I like, so it made it pretty easy for me to make that choice, but uh, it's just great to be here this morning. We have visited your church uh, before, and uh, and uh, it's been great to work with Pastor Allen, and, and we've had some wonderful experiences this past year together. Uh, in 1989, my wife and I moved from South Bend, Indiana, to, to Dallas. That's been 20 years ago. And uh, I, wasn't a, uh, I wasn't a pastor at that church very long, maybe a month. And one of the members came up to me and said, Pastor Lebsack, you know, when a boy from Texas goes to the north, it's not very long that he's talking like a northerner. But when a boy from the north comes to Texas, it's not very long and he's talking correctly. <laughs> so I'm not quite talking correctly yet, but uh, I wasn't raised too far from here. I was raised in Nebraska. Uh, my parents pastored there for 44 years, and uh, so uh, uh, it's, been a, it's been a joy, though, living here in Texas. I, 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 when Alan asked if I would share with you today, I thought what would be the best that I could share with you that would be a blessing that would help you, would help us all in these days that we're living in. And I would like to just talk to you about this uh, topic this morning, God's secret of success. God's secret of success. And, and uh, <clears throat> I think you have some notes in your bulletin this morning uh, there somewhere, or you'll see it on the overhead projection. I'm not going to read the scripture to you uh, today concerning the scripture of the basis of what I want to talk about from, Jer from Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip reading the, the scripture, but I want to summarize it for you from the 17th verse to the 20th verse and then on into the 4th chapter. Uh, Jerusalem at that time was devastated. And uh, Nehemiah had been in captivity. And we read that, that the wall of Jerusalem 
was broken down and the gates thereof were burned with fire. And it was a sad day for the prophet of God who loved this city, who loved God. Here he came out and the walls of the city were destroyed. And the Bible says that Nehemiah went into weeping, mourning, and fasting. He was so concerned with what was going to happen. And when he finished, the Bible goes on to say that when he finished weeping, mourning, fasting, and praying about this situation, he arose up and he told the children of God, let's rebuild the walls. Let's rebuild the walls. And their reaction was quite typical. They said, It's hopeless. It can't be done. No way can we rebuild these walls. It's a far out dream that it will ever happen. But Nehemiah understood the word hopeless. And if you read this story in the book of Nehemiah, it goes on to say that in 52 days, The job was done and the walls were rebuilt. The Bible said with a sword in one hand, they rebuilt the walls of the ancient city. Now there are three things that was going for them in this instance. Number one, they caught the vision of Nehemiah. They caught his vision. They saw through proper eyes... And they believed that it could be done. Number two, they worked long hours. They were not afraid to get involved. And number three, they ignored the sidewalk supervisors. You know what they are. There's always people there that will say, can't be done. It's impossible. We can't do that. We have never done that before. Now, I'm sure you've never heard that at Generations Church. But it's it's there out there somewhere. It's out there among so many people. The key for your church and the key for you as an individual is that when we face situations in life that we catch the vision of what God wants us to do. God gives us a leader. He gives us, in a church, He gives us a pastor. That pastor becomes the leader. That pastor is the one that God, first of all, gives the vision to and, 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 and gives the, uh, the dreams to. And, 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 and then it's, it's our job to catch that vision and then to work the long hours, to get involved with whatever ministry we're, we have. And God gives every one of us something that we're to do. Every one of us have abilities. We're different. Okay? We have different abilities, different ways of working for God, different ways of being involved. But God gives all of us something to work at. And then we have to ignore the people that say it can't be done. Now, the climax of this story is in chapter 4 of Nehemiah in the 6th verse. It says, So build ye the walls, and all the walls were joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Then if you look at verse 9 of chapter 4, you you will see what the source was. It says, 
Though there was criticism and misunderstanding, nevertheless, we made our prayers unto our God and set a watch against them night and day. You know, if God calls, God provides. How many believe that this morning? If God calls, God provides. And Nehemiah knew that, and he went out to do what God had called him to do. When I was uh, in my 30s and pastoring a church, uh, and the church was going along really well, and we were seeing people saved, and it was growing and, and somebody came and asked me this question. It was the first time that I ever asked this question to me at that time in my life. They said, what is the secret of success? Well, I'd never thought about it at that time in my life. What is the secret of success? But when they asked me that question, one word came to my mind. And the word was work. W-O-R-K. When I said that, the man turned away and walked away. He, he wasn't interested in that, you see. You see, we here in America, we're very spoiled people. We're used to getting things very quickly. Especially in this Internet age that we live in today. It's amazing. I heard yesterday that email's old. Today, it's, you, you want to, if you want to, want to get it, uh, in any response, you text. Voices mailed. People don't want to get voicemails. Okay? Now, now uh, that was kind of interesting to me as I, as, as I read about that. Uh, uh, we live in a world where, where we have instant potatoes, instant tea, instant coffee, instant pudding, instant th- this and that. But, but... God's secret of success has always been work. Say it with me. Work. John 9, 14, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is yet day. The night cometh when no man can work. That's what Jesus said. Okay? Now, I found three things that hinder God's work. Not now, not me, and not here. Three things. It always hindered. As a pastor, I'd always hear people saying, Well, not now, not me, not here. You know? It just can't be. And I want to share from my heart today from this word work. Okay? I must work the work while it is yet day. Now let's take this word work, the letter W. When I think of this word work and the letter W, the first word that comes to my mind is willingness. Willingness. Nothing ever happens unless I'm willing. I remember in June the 6th, 1959. Now, most of you weren't even born then. I know that. I was standing at an altar of a church in Dayton, Ohio, 
with a black suit on and a black tie. And coming down the aisle was a beautiful lady in a white dress on the arm of her father. And as she approached me, as I was standing there at the front of the church, her father brought her down and she took my arm and we walked up and stood in front of the minister. And I heard the minister say, who was my father, Lee, will you take this woman who's standing by your side to be your lawful wedded wife? And I said, I will. I thought to myself, why does he think I'm standing here? You know, I've talked, I've convinced, I've worked hard to buy this ring, you know, and, and, and so forth. And uh, I want everybody to know that I, that I was willing. But I found out that that wasn't the most important part of this ceremony. For the minister, my father turned to Sharon and said, Sharon... Will you take this man, now that was uh, an exaggeration at that point, but uh, who stands by your side to be your lawful wedded husband. Now, and to me, I don't know whether there wasn't, but to me, there was a pause. It was kind of long. And, and if I remember correctly, she, I, I, she kind of turned back and her parents were seated there and they were crying, I think, and uh, she was the youngest, you know. And then finally I heard her say, I will. And when she said, I will, I knew I was in. This is it. This was for real. You know something? You cannot be married unless you're willing to go through that. Let me tell you something else. You cannot be saved unless you're willing to say, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. You got to be willing. You cannot be a successful husband or wife unless you're willing to work at it. You cannot be a successful Christian unless you're willing to put yourself into working at it. Must be willing. You cannot have a successful church in Granbury, Texas unless you're willing to have it. And some people aren't willing. Okay? That's why you see hundreds of churches running 20 and 30 and 40 people. They're not willing. They just want to stay the same old way. You know? Laziness, part of it. Part of them is not willing to change. You know? We live in a... Our culture changes, doesn't it? It's changed. My, my 
throughout my whole life and has changed throughout years. And things are different. They're not always like we like it to be. Okay? So how do I reach the culture? You've got to be willing. Not to compromise the message. Not to compromise the truth. Not to compromise what God tells us we need to do. But we must be willing to know how to approach that culture to win them to Christ. Important. Now, the second letter that comes out of that word work is, is O. And the word that pops out in my mind is opportunity. Opportunity. You know, there's never been an hour like this hour. It's an unusual day we're living in. I think we all know that. It's a different day. And, and, and for those of us that have been a, a Christian for, for a, quite a few years and have been around a little while, you see, we believe that Jesus could come any time. We believe that. This is our day of opportunity. This is our day. To reach our neighbors for Christ. This is our day that we touch somebody for Jesus. Our day. Our opportunity. You know, I don't pastor church anymore. And uh, there are some things about it I, I don't really miss. Okay? <laughs> But the thing that I really miss is the relationships with people. Really miss that. So since I don't pastor, I ask the Lord to help me to be a witness in some way every day. Had the privilege of leading my neighbor down the street to the Lord about two months ago. Now I've been working on him. I play golf with him. Two and three times a week. He got cancer two weeks, two years ago. And he would play golf. And after he had his chemo and his, all of his treatments, some of us took him to Arlington to have his treatments. And, and uh, we all took turns, about 12 of us. And I would pray, God, help me that I can help Bob because... Don't know whether he's a Christian or not, but if he's not, that I can lead him to Christ. So I started praying for him. Every time he'd go to the doctor, I'd go down to his house. I'd say, hey, let's have, do you mind if I pray for you, Bob? No. No. And we'd pray. Make a long story short, about two months ago, his wife called me. He's in Harris Methodist Hospital in, in Fort Worth. She said, Lee, so I don't think Bob's going to make it through the night. Could you come up here? See, you see, they didn't have a church home here in Granbury. I went up to the hospital. I, didn't, I told Sharon on the way up about 7, 8 o'clock that night. I said, this is my night to lead Bob to the Lord. I've got to do it tonight. Tonight is the night. As one of those times that they wouldn't let anybody into the room except 
being a clergyman, I was able to get into the room. I walked into the room, and I could tell. I didn't know if he'd make it or not. I began to talk, and Bob was always one that would smile. He always tried to be positive. And I said, Bob, and I began to talk to him about the Lord. I, and, and I said, you don't have to pray this prayer. Do you want to pray this prayer? And he said, yeah. And, and I said, you don't have to pray it out loud because he could hardly talk. But you could just pray it to yourself. But he prayed it out loud. And he said he believed. He lived two more months and I had his funeral just last week. The greatest joy of my life this year is not preaching to thousands of people, but leading Bob to the Lord. The day before he died, I walked into his room. I said, Bob, remember that prayer? He prayed. I remember, Lee. He said, you meant it, didn't you? I meant it. I'm ready no matter what happens. And I walked out of that room, went and sat in my car. I said, thank you, Jesus. Bob's ready. You see, we have opportunities Every single day in some way to help somebody. This is our day of opportunity. I believe it today with all of my heart. There's never been a greater day than this. My father was raised in the state of Colorado. He had four brothers, and they were all dairy farmers. And we lived in Nebraska, and we'd go to Colorado, oh, several times a year, two or three times, and we'd always stay at one of those dairy farms. And My cousins would always make sure that I had to get up with them at 4.30 in the morning to go milk cows, you know. And so I'd go out there, and, and I'd go out there, to the, and, and this, <clears throat> I was always amazed at how many cats were out there. And as a boy, an elementary school kid, I'd think, man, what are all these cats doing out here? Well, the cats, I found out, in those days, the milk would sometimes overflow the pail. And the cats would lick up the side and get some milk. Well, the farmers would keep them away. My relatives would try to keep the cats out of there, but uh, they would still sneak in because they were busy milking cows and be a pail there. And one day, there was a small cat. looked like a new one. And I saw him. He was licking up the pail. And he got to the top and he fell in. And he went down. And his head evidently hit the bottom of the pail. And he came back up and he was heard to purr when he surfaced. Oh, now for the capacity equal to my opportunity. That's the way we should feel today. Oh, now, for the capacity equal to my opportunity. Struggles? So what? Difficulties? So what? God's secret of success is to have a willing heart 
and then to seek him? The opportunity? I like what the Chinese did years ago. They wanted to build a tunnel through a mountain. They put a thousand or so people on that side and a thousand or so people on this side, and they said, start digging. If we hit, we get a tunnel. If we miss, we have two tunnels. <laughs> Either way, we have a tunnel. Don't just stand there looking at the mountain. Do something about it. That's what I tell pastors that I work with. That's what I tell the church that I pastored. And, 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 and is, is that we're not just standing here looking at the mountain of Granbury. We're going to do something about it. Make something happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we work and as we go about our, our, our different responsibilities and duties and, and, and so forth. Uh, uh, and, and the next letter is R. And the, and the, and the, the word is risk. Now, theologically, it should be faith, but faith doesn't start with an R. So, but risk is about the same, okay? Faith is risk, you know? Too many people want to be comfortable. We don't want to risk. We don't want to be disturbed. You know, as a pastor, you know... I have a lot of pastor friends. They don't want to be. They don't want to be disturbed. They, you know, they want to risk. Uh, people are that way with their own personal lives. They don't want to risk. I remember uh, when I came in '89. I took a church in North Dallas, just south of 635, uh, on Webb's Chapel, about two miles south of LBJ, and uh, the church uh, owned the, owned the property. It was about a two million dollar. Building. It was a nice building. We had about 600 people. And uh, uh, <clears throat> it came to a point that hardly anybody in that church lived anywhere near that church. But they came from the northern suburbs of Dallas or other areas. And they drove to this place. So our neighborhood wasn't really being touched. It became a concern of ours. What was our choices? What are we going to do? Finally, to make a long story short, the church decided to uh, relocate to the northern suburbs. Now, it was a very strong vote, but there were 50 people that did not want to relocate. And they were angry. So they left the church and relocated. And they relocated right to where we wanted to go. <laughs> what was that about? You know? That's like people when they leave the church. I learned this a long time ago. I'm experiencing this. They would tell me why they left. And 99% of the time people tell you why they leave the church is not the reason. They won't tell you really why. Don't know why. Those 50 people left the church. So what was disturbing to me as the pastor is in the next two months, 250 more people left the church. Now, they weren't mad and they weren't angry. And they voted that we should move. But they said we can't move because we live in Irving, East Dallas, Garland, Mesquite. You're going, what we think you should do that. 
thanks, you know. Really appreciate that, you know. So instead of 600 people, we end up with 300. Now, I'd never experienced that before. It was a new experience. And it wasn't really encouraging. But we thought, well, you know, God's in this. It's going to happen. Things are going to be okay. And so we sold our building to an African-American Baptist church for about $2 million, but they couldn't get a loan at the bank, so we had to carry their note. But they did give us 300000 upfront money. So we had $300,000. So we thought, well, we'll go and we'll rent a strip mall up in Carrollton, uh, about 22,000 square feet of a strip mall, and we'll take the 300000 and we'll redo it inside and we'll lease it. Worked on that for six months, got ready to sign the lease. The day we went down to sign the lease, they said we leased it to somebody else. You see, the least risk for us, because we had the money, was to do that. But it wasn't God's choice. We found out later. So we had to go out and buy land. So we got 15 acres of land for the 300000 that we had. And, and, and we built a $3 million building. And now we had a $22,000 a month payment. 300 people. How are you going to do that? You talk about risk. You talk about faith. And one of my finance committee members said, Pastor, do you think we can get 22 more families this coming year? If we can get 22 families that will tie such and such, we'll be able to meet this $22,000 a month payment. I said, I think so. I didn't know, you know, but... Praise God. I think so. I believe we can. To make a long story short, in January of 1996, we moved into this new building in North Carrollton. The very first Sunday, we had over 400 first-time visitors. First Sunday. Do you think I was encouraged? Do you think those 300 people, I walked out on the, on the platform that Sunday morning, the very first Sunday we ever were there, there were more people there that I didn't know than I did know. That was an experience. What happened? We were willing to take a risk and we were moving with God. We didn't understand it. We didn't really know how it was all going to work out. But we were working and moving with God. Now the last letter is K of the word work. Know your boss. Who's my boss? God. Down through my years of, of, of working in the church, God's always been my boss. Oh, I was accountable to the church board and I was accountable to other authorities within the church. That's important. But ultimately... God is our boss. How many believe that? God leads us. God guides us. God helps us. You know, if we get in touch with Him, He helps us through our problems. 
You sat here this morning, you have a problem, you have a difficulty. How are you going to make it through this week? Let me tell you something. God has an answer. We got to know Him. It's very, very important. Very important that we know God in a, in a special way. I, I remember a story. I moved here to Texas. You know, you hear a lot of Texas stories. This Texan invited. He invited uh, about 100 people over to his house for a big party. And they were in the front area, the front lawn area, about 100 people. And he got up on the steps and he said, Hey, folks, I want you all to go to the backyard. So they went back to the backyard. When he got there, he had a large swimming pool. Okay? But the amazing thing about it in the swimming pool were alligators. And they were swimming in and out, you know, swimming all around. And people thought, wow, that's weird, you know. <laughs> you know and that's really weird. <laughs> and uh, they didn't, uh, some of them didn't know this guy real well, and they didn't really know what in the world this was all about. But, uh, then he got up on a chair and he said, I'm going to tell you something today. He said, I'll give $100,000 to the first person that will jump in this pool and swim from this side all the way back down to that side. Now, he didn't think anybody would do it. But the moment he said that, somebody splashed into the water. Swimming in and out of those out, people were going crazy. Man, who in the world would do something like that? The guy was swimming and he got to the other side and he jumped out. And the man who was the owner, he was so excited. He thought, that's incredible. He walks down there and he said, Law, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. I'm going to give this man uh, $100,000 for doing that. And the man raised his hand. He said, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Who pushed me? <laughs> who pushed me? You know, as a pastor, that was my job to do the pushing. We always need somebody to push us. Sometimes it's our wife. Sometimes it's our husband. Sometimes it's another Christian brother or sister. But oftentimes it's our pastor at the church that helps us and encourages us in every way possible. I think of the boy walking down. Uh, a guy was talking about he's walking by a vacant lot. And there were some boys playing baseball. And he walked by the first baseman and he said, he said, what inning is it? He said, first inning. And he asked the boy, he said, what's the score? He said, well, we're behind 18 to 0. He said, well, you don't look discouraged. He said, discouraged? We haven't even been to bat yet. <laughs> Let me tell you something today. You may be discouraged, but you have a big God this morning. He's able to bless you and strengthen you and lift you up and help you. And this church, I believe, is on the verge of an explosion. When I say explosion, I mean an explosion of reaching people with the gospel. There are people in this community that don't know Christ. There's a lot of churches. But I read in the paper this morning, the Fort Worth paper, that only 50% of people go to church. 
in our society today. Fifty percent. And I want to encourage you today. When was the last time that you led a person to Christ? Or when was the last time you tried? Okay. Jesus, we thank you today for the word of God. We thank you today, Jesus, for the opportunity we have to serve you. May we catch the vision. May we be able to be involved and work long hours if need be. May we ignore those that may be discouragers and sidewalk supervisors. Encourage people here this morning, wherever they are in their life. May they leave this building knowing that God's with them. That God will walk with them. That no matter what they're going through, God will take them through that. Because he's always with us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Pastor? Thank you so much. Set us up for these three announcements that relate to the message. Uh, to work around here, we place high priority on children and youth. That's one of the meanings of our name, Generations Church. And if if you would like to serve in that ministry in any capacity, maybe once a month or once a quarter or every other week, we encourage you to come today at 4 o'clock for the guardianship training. You would uh, hear the do's and don'ts of ministering to kids. We never want anyone to be alone with a child. Um, if you have been convicted of a felony that's considered a crime against persons, uh, you can serve in a lot of ministries around here, just not in children and youth ministries. And then another announcement is uh, at Jeff and Nancy Thompson's home, they're having um, what's called Keys to the Kingdom, and they're using a curriculum that was, that was created by John Wimber called Signs and Wonders and Church Growth. And it's all about being empowered to reach the lost with the power of God. Amen. And Wednesday night we have the Alpha Course. It's not too late to come on board if you've never been, to come back on come on board. If you've been and you've missed a few sessions, come back. And if you know someone that, that you could invite, bring them to supper. We promise we will not run out of food this week. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, teenagers, please, only half seconds. The thirds bit us last week. Anyway, let's stand. Lord, we thank you so much for this time that we've had together in your presence, in worship, and in hearing of your word. We pray that you would bless your people. Help us, Lord, to work and serve the opportunities that you've placed before us. In Jesus' name, give us eyes to see opportunities we don't know are there and make us willing to change those things that need to change. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Our vision is to know God and to make him known to this generation and beyond. Go get him, tigers. God bless you. You're dismissed.
The miracle of Christ in me The mystery that sets me free I'm nothing like I used to be Just open up your eyes The miracle of Christ in me The mystery that sets me free 